take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We'll be working our way through this chapter, but we'll pick up tonight in verse 29. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. Hear now the word of the living Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. This is the word of the living God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray now that you might remind us again of the glorious promises made to us in Christ, the sea, and that your spirit would work in our hearts, that he would move in our hearts, changing us, convicting us, guiding us, reminding us, pointing us again to the mediator. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we spent a little time in Galatians chapter 3, specifically on the theme that that chapter, but the word of God teaches us that our salvation is by faith, that we as God's people have been saved by grace through faith and that it is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And we spent some time in the latter part of Galatians chapter 3. If you were to ask the average believer who's journeyed with the living God for any length of time what the book of Galatians is about, he or she might say something along the lines of justification or justification by faith alone. Or perhaps he or she would say something like this. It has to do with the fact that we are saved not by works, but by faith. But in the very middle of Galatians... We have an entire chapter that brings this doctrine together. But perhaps surprisingly to many of us, there are two words that show up over and over and over again in chapter 3 of Galatians. Really the entire book of Galatians. But chapter 3 of Galatians is filled with references to the Spirit of God and to the promise of God. In fact, I want to read chapter 3 of Galatians, and I want you just to listen for these two words. Listen to how many times the Holy Spirit is referenced, and also how many times the word promise or promises is referenced. Picking up in a familiar passage, even from last week, Galatians 3.1, Oh, foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? 
This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, But God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for only one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And several verses later, Paul would say in verse 6, which you heard read a few moments ago, that God, according to this promise, has sent forth the Spirit into our hearts. 
Surprisingly, even though the word faith shows up multiple times, there are two words which stand out in a reading of Galatians chapter 3. The Spirit of God and the promise of God. If you could summarize Galatians chapter 3, of course you would say we are saved not by works, but by faith. But have you ever considered the fact that in such a doctrine, in such a display of a doctrine in Galatians 3, Painted all over that theological reality is the spirit of Christ and the promise or promises of God. I want us to trace those two words for a few moments this evening. Spirit and promise. First, let's look at the theme of the spirit. The Holy Spirit shows up in Galatians chapter 3 in multiple places. In verse 2, we are seen as having received him. In verse 3, we are pictured as having begun this life of the faith by the Spirit. In verse 5, God is pictured as supplying the Spirit and works ongoingly by the Spirit in the life of believers. In verse 14, we see the promise of the Spirit and then the dialogue shifts to that word promise. But it doesn't leave the spirit behind. Think about how the book of Galatians continues. We're just dropping into chapter three, but think about the rest of the book. For instance, in chapter four, verse six, what do we read? As was just mentioned, God sends forth the spirit of his son's son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In Galatians chapter five, we are pictured as having liberty. And it says, For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And then perhaps the most famous passage in all of the Bible about what it looks like to be controlled by the Spirit occurs at the end of Galatians chapter 5. Namely, walking by the Spirit and walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians is a book that preaches Christ... And justification by faith alone, but in so doing, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, is continually referenced. Let's look at these instances. Firstly, again, Spirit. Verse 2. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith. Now, Paul is asking a question to believers, as we saw even last week, who are being tempted by false teachers, by the Judaizers, to believe that we must add to the work of Christ some measure of the keeping of the law. But his question comes with a clear and presupposed answer. It was by the hearing of faith that you received the Spirit. As we'll see a few verses later, this receiving of the Spirit was according to the promise of God from the beginning. But the first thing that we see in our understanding of justification by faith is, in this chapter, that we receive the Spirit by faith. That it is the Spirit's work that is the means by which We are saved. So verse two makes clear we receive the spirit. 
But secondly, look at verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? The second truth that we see about the Holy Spirit in this entire work is this. Paul wants us to understand, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that it, our salvation, from beginning to end, is the work of the Spirit. You don't receive the Spirit of God and then step outside of the Spirit of God and continue the work of salvation by the law. We receive the Spirit and we continue day by day by the Spirit. You see, friend, if you are in Christ... You are in Christ by the Holy Spirit of God, and you need not add, in this instance, circumcision or the keeping of the law to continue in the faith. How often in your Christian life are you tempted to think that God will be more pleased with you if you, in your own merit or your own strength, seek to continue in the faith? Now, of course, if you are thinking with the whole view of Scripture in mind, you might say, but aren't we called to persevere? Yes. But Galatians not only teaches us that we are justified by faith alone, and that is a gift of God by His Spirit, but even our persevering in the faith is the work of the Spirit. Paul says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? In other words, it is the Spirit that began this work of God in you. Do you bring it to perfection by keeping the law? Or are you empowered by the Spirit of God? And yes, growing in keeping His commandments, but persevered from beginning all the way to completion by the Spirit. So we receive the Spirit and we continue by the Spirit. But verse 5 continues, we'll pick up in verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, Paul, again, is after a central question, isn't he? Is Christ enough? Or must you add circumcision or the keeping of the law to Christ in order to round out or perfect this salvation? That's the theme. That's the context. But notice what he teaches us about the Spirit. That God supplies the Spirit to to us and continues to work in us through faith. Through faith. God supplies His Spirit and works among us ongoingly, continually. This ought to cause us to thank the living God for placing His Spirit in our hearts. Because we receive the Spirit, we are furthered and continued in the faith by the Spirit, and God works among us through and by the Spirit. There is now the introduction here of Abraham and the discussion of the law, because that is the context. But the Spirit of God shows up once more in verse 14. Paul discusses the faith of Abraham. He's writing to those who are tempted to believe that perhaps the promise of the gospel is that Gentiles would indeed keep the law along with Jews. 
Paul says in verse 7, Therefore know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Think about that. When Abraham was given that promise by God, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, the writer of Galatians, Paul, says that was God preaching the gospel to Abraham. And that's absolutely essential because Paul is going to say the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant which came after that, doesn't annul a promise previously given. And so that's why Abraham is brought up. Verse 11, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus has become a curse for each person who is united to him. He is the one who bears the curse for you. But then notice verse 14. Here we have Abraham and faith, and Jesus, and our two words, promise and spirit, all brought together. Why was Jesus made a curse? Why did Jesus redeem us from the curse of the law? Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through Faith. Here you have the intersection of our two words. And the word which will take over for the rest of the chapter is the word promise. But this promise includes the spirit. Now, briefly, what is this promise? Verse 14 says the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. What was the blessing of Abraham? Well, most literally, the blessing of Abraham was that God preached the gospel to him. That he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That for Abraham, the blessing was justification by faith alone. But attached to that is the external promise. In your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In other words, this blessing that has come to you by faith, is now going to come to the nations through your seed. And Paul discusses it in the manner that is written in the latter part of verse 14, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Have you ever thought about the Old Testament proclamation of the Gospel? All of the promises that are continued from Genesis 3.15 all the way to the empty tomb. You ever considered that part of that promise is the promise of God's spirit? If you were just to read the Old Testament as it relates to God's ultimate ongoing work in the Son, think how many instances there are of the promise that God would cause his spirit to do something. That the Holy Spirit of God would be at work. Well, here... The blessing of Abraham comes to the Gentiles. And that blessing includes the promise of the Spirit. So in Galatians chapter 3, 
when seeking to make sure that the gospel is maintained, that it is not added to or adulterated by the false gospel of adding works to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God is all over the chapter. We receive Him. Our Christian life is begun by Him and by inference continued all the way throughout the journey by Him. That God supplies His Spirit to believers and works in them by His Spirit. And that part of the blessing of the Gospel is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Which is why in the next few chapters Paul continues to discuss what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. You ever thought about that? Walk by the Spirit. In other words, you've been given the gift of the Spirit. Live in Him. Walk according to Him. See what the fruit is that He produces in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You're growing in these things, Christian? The question is not meant to ask you to feel guilty as if you need to be confronted. Maybe you do. The question is meant... To be asked in this way, if you see these things in your life, it is the fruit of the Spirit. That when you see yourself growing in self-control, resting on Christ, when you see yourself growing in patience with your children, with your spouse, with your co-workers, as you do that resting on Christ, that is the work of the Spirit. Have you ever thought about the gift of the Spirit in, verse, in chapter 3 being the ground of how in verse or chapter 5 we worship God because He is at work in us by the Spirit. You will never love on this side of eternity the way that you wish you could. You will never have as much patience as you wish you could. You might look at the trees surrounding you in the orchard and you might think to yourself, I wish I had more fruit of the Spirit. I wish I was like that tree over there. That sister over there. That brother over there. I wish there were more... Items of fruit on my branches. But if you see any fruit on the branches, it's because the spirit that has been part of this gospel promise is at work in you. Spirit. But secondly, promise. I won't read it all again, but verse 14 introduces us again to that word. And then it shows up everywhere in the latter half of Galatians chapter 3. Namely, verse 14, 16, 17, 18, 19, 22. Promise is everywhere. The Spirit of God is the agent, as it were, of our salvation. Paul doesn't leave out discussion of the Spirit of God while he's trying to preserve the unadulterated gospel. But now the theme shifts to promise. And it makes sense as to why. There were false teachers, boys and girls, in the church at Galatia and perhaps other churches that were trying to convince the Christians, these new Christians, many of them, if not most of them, Gentile Christians. Hey, Jesus is good. He is necessary. But if you're really going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to be circumcised. You need to keep the law. Jesus plus something And so Paul goes right to Abraham, who lived prior to Moses. And he says, 
Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And then this word promise shows up in multiple instances. Let me just give you four examples. We had four examples with spirit. Let's look at four for promise. In verses 14 through 18, we see that the gospel comes by promise, not by law. We spent some time with this last week. We won't rehearse all of last week's sermon. But the gospel comes by way of promise. If you just read verses 14 all the way through verses 18, the word promise is everywhere. It's everywhere. The blessing of Abraham, justification by faith alone, the goodness of the gospel comes by way of promise. But secondly, we see that this promise is secure. Look at verse 19. In this discussion of the purpose of the law, if we're really saved by grace through faith, then why the law? Of course, Paul gives an answer. But tucked away at the beginning of that discussion, Paul says this in verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Now, a few verses earlier, we see in verses 15 and 16, this discussion of a plural seed versus a singular seed. Look there with me. Verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ? So when we get down a few verses to verse 19, we see that the promises or the promise was made to Christ. To Christ. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. In a sense, the promise was made to us because we are in Christ. But this promise of justification by faith, of the righteousness of God coming by the work that God provides was made ultimately to the Son of God as our mediator. And thus, this promise is secure. We often hear people say, I'm claiming the promises of Scripture, and that is good. But it could be argued that the first person that could say that is the mediator. That the promises of gospel redemption were made to the seed, that is, Christ it does not get any more secure than that. But thirdly, as it relates to the promise, he gives the answer to the question, what purpose then does the law serve? And we see this, the law serves the promise. The law serves this promise. Look there at verse 22. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now you have this promise of Abraham and the blessing of Abraham that was ultimately made to Christ being given to any who are in Christ. The law serves as a means, as the text says, To preserve God's promise until the seed comes. Dutch theologian Herman Bavink writes this on this passage or this idea. 
He says, quote, as a guardian and caregiver, it, the law, kept Israel under its supervision so that they would learn to know and love the promise. It kept Israel protected. Think about this. The Mosaic Covenant as an entire covenant with ceremonies and civil laws, all of it was about protecting Israel so that God's promise that cannot be wrong would be protected. That's the purpose here of the law. That's the purpose of circumcision and all that must be kept under it. The law serves the promise. And that's helpful, as we saw last week, in terms of how to read our Bibles. Law and gospel. Here we could say law and promise. But lastly, as we think of this word promise, verse 29 helps us to see that we are heirs by promise. Look down at verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Is that word promise again? We are heirs. We are heirs, heirs of God, heirs of Christ, sons and daughters of Abraham, united to Christ by faith. Spirit and promise. Those two words are everywhere in Galatians chapter three. Are those words that you would think to use as you think through the doctrine of justification by faith alone? Think on it, friend. Meditate on this. That God saves sinners only by the work of Christ. That what saves a sinner is what Christ has done. Our faith is simply the arm that connects us to Christ. But part of the application of that work of Christ is that God puts His Spirit in the hearts of the elect. And causes them to see their need for Him. He gives them new life. Boys and girls, there's a big word. Regeneration or new birth or being born again. And it's the Spirit that gives us this life and this faith. It's the Spirit that causes us to begin, as Galatians 3, 2 and 3 says. But the Spirit continues us. If you are in the Spirit of Christ, friend, you will not lose the Spirit of Christ. If you have begun, you will persevere because it is not you and your law-keeping that perseveres you to the end. It's the Spirit of Christ. Now that is not to say that there aren't commands for us to heed. We saw that last week. We could read the New Testament alone as if the New Testament and the Old Testament could be divided this way. But if we wanted to divide it this way, we could say, what does the New Testament say? There are plenty of things that we are to do. Do this. Don't do that. Put this off. Put this on. We saw this morning. Pray like this. There are commands. And we need not be afraid of the commands of Scripture. Just so long as you understand that you do not continue in the faith by your works, but by the Spirit. As you think on justification by faith alone, Remember that God, verse 5 of Galatians 3, works among you by the supply of the Spirit. And all of this is a part of the promise 
that the blessing of Abraham might come even upon the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You can't have a discussion about being saved by faith alone and Christ alone without immediately following it with praise for the Holy Spirit of God. Because as bold as we ought to be about how our salvation rests in Christ alone and it's to be received by faith, you have no hope of faith or continuing in it if the Holy Spirit of God doesn't do so in your life. But as we talk about justification by faith alone, we have no hope of this eternal salvation if we don't understand that this has been the promise all along. Think about the latter part of Galatians 3. Promise, 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 promise. Which ought to ask us or cause us to ask this question. I keep seeing the word promise. I keep saying the word promise. It's everywhere. We ought to then ask, who is the one who made the promise? That is the triune God. Spirit and promise. And so we get to chapter 4, verse 6. And in this glorious discussion of how we have been freed from this entire drama of being under the law by way of covenant. Because one has come in the fullness of time, born under the law to redeem us, that we might receive adoption as sons. It shouldn't surprise us then. At the height of that discussion, Paul, as if he were in worship, says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Spirit, you have received him and he works in you. You've begun by the spirit and you will be persevered by the spirit. God promises to work among you by his spirit. And the very gift of the spirit is a part of this promise that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Spirit. Promise. God has promised his gospel salvation. The righteousness of God comes by the gospel, the promise of God, not by your works. This promise is secure because, as we saw, it was ultimately placed in Christ, not in you. But even the law of God serves this promise. And that it's by this promise that you will inherit You will inherit now and for all time. It is by promise. So I can imagine 10 trillion years from now that it would not be beyond the pale to imagine that in the new heaven and the new earth, in all of the glories of the new creation, there might be a believer who would say to another believer, isn't the promise that God made all that time ago so glorious? And isn't it wonderful that he kept his promises to us, brother, sister, by 
his spirit. Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray that we might be mindful of your work in our hearts by the spirit and the glories of the gospel that come to us by way of promise, not by way of law-keeping. Help us, O Lord, this evening as we survey this passage and see these two words over and over and over again to meditate on them, even in the week ahead, to meditate on what it means for the Holy Spirit to be received by us and causing us to persevere but also to meditate on your promise in Genesis 3.15 and in Father Abraham and through Moses and through David and to the coming Christ who promises to us himself that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that the glorious promise of Genesis 3.15 is carried all the way to our very salvation. Help us, O Lord. To glory in these things we pray in Jesus' name.